Making a recipe that calls for butter? Make it better with European butter from France. With a minimum of 82% butter fat, it's no wonder French butter is the number one choice of chefs the world over. Whether you're whipping up an omelet, sauteing vegetables, or spreading it on toast, the rich, cultured flavor of butter from France always elevates. Be sure to look for Made in France on the label. And for recipes, tips, and tricks, go to tasteeurope.com. Me, him, and Robert had lunch. I sat there and I watched these two guys write a film during lunch. Let me tell you something. If you stand between Robert and Quentin during a conversation, you'll get electrocuted. You're listening to The Taste Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Rodbard. Danny Treo is an actor and author of several cookbooks, including Treo Tacos and his latest, Treo Cantina. I had Danny into the studio recently, and he honestly let it rip. Man, such a great conversation and so many stories. He talks about working with Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, what makes a great taco, his life behind bars, and what food was like growing up in the east side of L.A. I hope you enjoy this conversation with one of America's most colorful actors. Danny Trejo, welcome to the Taste Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Love having you in. Your books are, they're full of life. I love your restaurants. I've been to several of them in LA too. Thank you. Yeah. It's, but first from the jump, I love this line. You open your introduction. Think like a prisoner, cook like a caterer. I love, like, what does that mean? I mean, it says a lot. When uh, I was in the universities of California uh, and we wouldn't get a visit, on Sunday, Sunday's a visiting day. So what we would do is everybody would bring something to the table, you know, to yeah. like a picnic on the yard, and uh, and we would get top ramen and yeah. go from there and mix it and end up with a really great casserole. Might have chicken, might have steak, might have both, you know, and uh, and a lot of uh, uh, vegetables. Yeah. So all of a sudden, it's like. Everybody became kind of a, a we mix it cook. Yeah. You know, like you were able to put things together. And yeah. that's and then besides that, my mom was an unbelievable cook. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, so and she would cater meals for the whole family, like oh, yeah. basically. Like great. So oh. that's how let me ask you when you're when you're in prison and your food is a commodity, I mean it's more valuable than it is in the outside world. What what were some of the trades you were doing? Well, you know what? Now that they stopped smoking in uh, in prison, top ramen is actually the money. <laughs> yeah, you know the the yeah. Okay, I'll give you three soups for you know for so. one <laughs> cup of ramen. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, uh, uh, but that's the the money, and it's still it's like if prison, if you were like. An inmate, you have a lot of trouble in prison. But if you're a German convict, it's like you kind of have people making food for you, and yeah. you have you know different different priv- privileges that the regular prisoner. kind of prisoner don't have. What's like considered good food, like like special treatment food? Well, you know what what do you got? I want a cheeseburger. I want a steak. Whoa. I want a yeah you know, a steak. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> you got a steak once in a while? Yeah, if you've, well, if your money's right, yeah. uh, you know, you can get anything. It's 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 fascinating. Well, I want to talk to you about about your restaurants and your book, but but before that, you, you referenced your your mother, the cooking. What was food like in your household growing up? Well, you know, like mainly you know Spanish tamales, uh, uh, enchiladas, uh, migas for breakfast and unbelievably good dish yeah it's all, mm. but you know you, again it's like if you're a low income uh, you know family it's like your meals are unbelievable the first of the month but come towards the end of the month you you, you start i used to ask my mom what is this it's, it's called out of the cupboard just <laughs> you know, and she would knew how to mix things and make them palatable, make them delicious, yeah. you know, and so that was the same. Did you have a lot of siblings growing up? No, no. I just, it was just me. Just you and yeah. your mom. So and my dad, yeah. And your dad, the three of you, you, had a, you were a tight unit. What's What was her dish, the one thing that she did the best? Oh, it was, didn't matter. My mom was she unbelievable was, cooking, yeah. And, uh, you know, like on Christmas and stuff, the whole family would get together and, and then everybody would be making tamales, yep. you know. And uh, and and so uh, uh, now you can just go down and, you know, buy three, four dozen oh. anywhere, you know, so. Where and you, they're good. Where are you living these days in L.A.? In Los Angeles, I live in Mission Hills. Oh, Mission Hills. Which is about three miles from Pacoima, where I grew up. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you what's your what's your kitchen set up? Do you have like a pretty nice kitchen? I would eat yeah, outdoor. Yeah, but but I have a great Mexican restaurant right across the street. Yeah. So. <laughs> Let's go there because I've been to Treos as I mentioned, yeah. and you do something different. I think you're you're bringing um, life and energy. It's lighter in some ways. It's I mean, to use the word healthy is hard, but it is healthier. Yes, but like, tell me, what do you what are you trying to do with Treos tacos? You know what? It's like a Okay, first of all, the Latino community is, uh, has a real tough obese problem, you know, yeah. and so because a lot of starch, a lot of the food. So what we try to do is say, wait a minute, let's get a place to where it's like no matter how much, he's still healthy, you know, and it's good for you. So uh, you can go in and, and order just about anything. We have gluten-free because I work with autistic children yep. and, and doctors have said they don't do well with gluten. Yep. So... Uh, you can order a gluten-free menu, and we also have a, a vegan, vegetarian, bite into a cow if you want to, or we got mm -hmm. uh, carnitas and, and uh, chorizo. It's like whatever whatever you want. You know, we, We've made it to where it's an all-inclusive restaurant because a lot of times, especially me, when I wrap a movie, 10 of us will want to go eat, and inevitably, oh, well, okay, I'll have a salad because yeah. they're vegan. Oh, yeah. and, it's L.A., come on. Yeah, that stuff know, is invented. <laughs> and so, so we just made it. So a lot of times we can always tell when there's five or six or seven people coming in, it's like, oh, you just wrapped it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I want to talk about the catering table on films, but one more question about Mexican restaurants in L.A. If you're not at Treo's, is there a spot that you go to, a taqueria, a taco truck? You know what? There's only one restaurant that I eat at, a Mexican restaurant, if, if, if it's not Treo's, and it's called Tres Hermanos, and it's down the street from my house, So, and it's absolutely delicious. You know, it's almost 
almost hits trails. I mean, Danny, if you're rolling in there and they're like, they know you own like yeah. nine, 10, 12 of yeah. these places. So what, what are you ordering? You they must what, treat you well. What's so funny is that they actually have a chair with my name on it in yep. that restaurant. Oh my gosh. So you got a chair with your name. Are you, are you doing, um, are you doing tamales there? Oh yeah. Tamales, enchiladas. Yeah. All their food is really, really good. And, and it's Mexican. So that's kind of a. Why as a culture do we love Mexican food so much? Meaning Americans who are not of Mexican descent. I think one of the reasons is because we're fed culture every day, right, from the border. You know, we are so close to the border that it's, um, we can almost hear the the mariachis from the other side, you know, so, so, and in San Diego, it's even bigger, you know, than coming up north and all the way up to, you know, Oregon, it's like a, it's Latino, you know. I mean, we are the biggest population of, of Latino now, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And and certainly the cuisine has uh, been articulated on menus, regional Mexican, Jalisco, yeah. Oaxacan. Yes. You see it yes. all. It's, it's, it's like the <laughs> most exciting food in America. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, 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 I love the fact that you can go into any state and find good Mexican food. Any state in the United States. Really? I'm, like, even, like, Nebraska? Hey. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Omaha. I've eaten good stuff. I'm sure. Like, listen, Nebraska listeners, I know you're out there. I'm sorry. That was not meant to be a dick. No. But, I mean, Mexican food, it carries well. It's it's incredible. Are you So, expansion-wise, are you thinking, like, you're going, well, like— right now, big? we've got five in L.A. Yeah. We've got a donut shop. We're opening up one in Detroit with a venue like the House of Blues. Wonderful. Because I started a record label, so why not play records there? And then, uh, uh, and then we've got we're opening up one in in London. So I love that. So why do you, why do you pick Detroit? I love that. I'm, I'm from well, Michigan. You, you know, a, there's a big Latino community yeah. first of all, and then and then uh, uh, I think we're siding with Live Nations because they've had a, yep. quite a. Uh, a following as far as uh, uh, concerts, so yep. I, we're gonna try a, 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 a like a house of blues venue. I like that. Okay, let's talk about the set, like on on a film set or on a television show set. What makes good catering on set? Budget. <laughs> <laughs> I love you know, it. <laughs> well, it's like because because you know, like if you do a low budget movie, you know you're you're gonna get you know. Cheeseburgers, or yeah, from you know, and uh, no one wants a cheeseburger when they're working. I mean, it's a beautiful well, dish. You know what? It's kind of uh, what I do. If I'm on a low budget movie, I usually make a tuna salad before I go to work, and then yeah. you know, eat. And that's actually what got me into the restaurant business was because I was doing a film called Badass, yeah, which was a a low budget movie, but the director, guy named uh, uh, Craig Moss. Great director. Yeah. Needed a, a star, needed a, a yeah. name. So Gloria you know, gave him mine and says, yeah. hey, this guy, blah, blah. So they, I, I got in this movie and it was kind of as a favor. Yeah. And, but as the favor turned out, it turned into a trilogy. So I did three movies back to back. And then, uh, uh, but I met a producer named Ash Shaw uh-huh. who, uh, had been in the restaurant business and he ah. saw me eating, you know, healthy. And he said, Danny, why don't you open a restaurant? <laughs> Jokingly, I said, Trejo's Tacos. And then when we did Badass, Badasses, 
badass on the bayou with Danny Glover. Yeah. Uh, That's he, great. He brought a business plan. And so, you know, I looked the at producer, it. Ash did. He and he's like, let's go. And he, I, he was like, let's he saw it. I looked at it and there was no killing in the first page. So yep. I gave it to Gloria and she yep. kind of said, uh, it's a no brainer. Because yep. usually when somebody comes with you with a business plan, they one hundred thousand up front. Yeah. 50, I mean, 000, of you course. Know. You're like you've you're seen a million one. of those so schemes. They didn't. They said, No, let's do this together. And right. right now we've got like five restaurants. It's and they're they're really good. And and did the catering get better as you ended up doing badass one, badass two, oh, yeah, badass three? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Yes. <laughs> yes. On badasses on the bayou, we had good food. Yeah, good food. As I've heard that from a couple of actors we've had on the show what like what do you like to eat when you're when you're working you know do you do you have a pre-performance if i'm if i'm working i like to eat light i don't like to like because you know what i mean you eat heavy and you you want to take a nap you know and especially at my age you know, so you uh you know i i'll eat light i won't eat i won't eat heavy i would eat a lot i'd love to eat a, a, a good sandwich and a cup of soup you know what was the catering like on con air that's like no, I feel like Con was, Air no. is like the it's like yeah. a big budget. Con Air heat. I mean, we had filet mignon on. on oh, <laughs> sick. On heat, we had Pacino, De Niro, yeah. you know, uh, Val Kilmer, yeah. Tom Sizemore, rest in peace. And, yeah, R.I.P. And man. John Voight, you know, so we had the biggie. So, so yeah, when you have a big budget, I mean, each one gets a trailer, and you, I mean, you get. Some, what, what do you like to see in those menus? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you about Con Air. So you've got yourself, Nick Cage, Ving Rhames, MC Ganey, but then I've heard a rumor John Cusack was the biggest badass on that set. John Cusack, uh, let me tell you something. John Cusack, people don't know this, but his sensei is a guy named uh, Benny Yukitas, who was five-time world champion karate mm. kickboxer. Him and Chuck Norris. If you ever want to... If you ever want to, like, shut the karate guys up on a movie set, <laughs> mention Chuck Norris yeah. or Benny Yukitas, because then all the, the guys that are running around doing, they'll shut up or they'll walk <laughs> away. Because those guys were real. You know, yeah. the other guys were. I went, John Claude was a dancer. Yeah. Seagal was, uh, uh, I don't know. A movie star. <laughs> not, really a, not really a fighter. But uh, Cusack's study. You know, I'm the only person that ever killed John, I mean, uh, uh, Steven Seagal on camera. What's the what's the kill shot? I Take killed, us through it. I killed Steven Seagal in Machete when we were having a, a fight with machetes, and I I'm the only person to ever kill him. So and, so maybe that's like part of his contract. He just does not want to be indebted. Uh, but but of course you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but Cusack was really tough on that set. Well, Cusack was he was a great guy, nicest guy sure. in the world. He is the guy that's carrying a gun, and people don't you know because if you carry a gun, you you, you know. And somebody gives you a, a hard time, come on, go on, go away. Yeah. You know, you had six bullets, you know, <laughs> put your lights out. And it's the same thing with with Cusack. Cusack can kill you. And and so it's like he didn't even have, yeah, okay, okay. He don't even he's he's tough. The guy can he, yeah, these are like certified yeah. weapons in yeah. his hands. Yeah. I, I like that real. to hear that because you need to think of I have like like high fidelity chunky Zach, not tough. So nice guy. Such a nice guy. Um you worked a lot with Robert Rodriguez, yeah. machete spy kids from Dust Till Dawn. You guys have a special relationship. Well, Robert Rodriguez is a great 
Talk right. about him. You know, when I first met Robert, I walked into his office in Venice. He had a, a, a office there where he was casting for Desperado. Mm. And I walked in and he said, wow, you look like the bad guys in my high school. And I said, I am the bad guys in your high school. And we just laughed, right? What a line. Just And so <laughs> we made friends and talked and handed me a knife. Gloria, when I came back, asked me, what he says, I don't know. He gave me a knife, and so, and and so I I got the job, and I was in Acuna, Mexico, with him. All my family came down from San Antonio to see me uh, on this movie set, and my uncle, who is really was he passed away, uh, really known in San Antonio, seen Robert and said, "Who is that?" And I said, mm-hmm. "That's Rodriguez." The the director, my uncle, who no etiquette, <laughs> movie etiquette whatsoever. Hey, 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 come here. And Robert, being Latino, seeing an older man calling him, he comes, you know, yeah. and uh, director or not. And he goes, yes, sir. And he starts talking. And then all of a sudden, Robert goes, my uncle, hey, Danny. Say hello to your cousin. Found out Robert Rodriguez was my second cousin. That's right and you know each of you had no idea. No, neither one of us did. That's a, and you had worked together on films. No, the, that was the first. That was the movie. first film. That was so the your family. Let's go back to this knife. I can't think. He, you meet Robert Rodriguez in a, in, a, in an office, and he gives you a knife. It's a, one of the little knives that I was throwing in Desperado. Yeah, he said, "Learn how to twirl that." Is that right? So he gave you that first cue that like it's a physical role. Mm-hmm. Did you have knife skills before then? What? Did you have knife skills before this? Uh, yes. <laughs> you, Gloria is sitting next have, to us shaking yes, her head. You have to have knife skills in prison. Well, <laughs> that's a given. We've seen, the, we've seen the films. We've watched the shows. Believe it at that. Now, um, I would like to hear about uh, Quentin Tarantino. You've worked with him a lot. And I wonder, I mean, he, you've acted alongside him. Now, uh, Quentin seems like a very exacting guy. His films are are very specific. In terms of food in Quentin, do you have any memories of sharing meals with Quentin? I feel like he's the kind of guy who probably orders. We, uh, me, him, and Robert had lunch one time at uh, that Mexican restaurant in Austin that they like to go to. I forget which one it is. But, but uh, I sat there and I watched these two guys write a film during lunch. Wow. And let me tell you something. If you stand between Robert and Quentin during a conversation, you'll get electrocuted. It's, a, <laughs> it's like magic. I mean, it's like seeing a, a, yeah. you know, electricity. That they're, they're both unbelievably smart. And as an actor, you love seeing your directors do that because they're they're creating roles for you with that energy. And Quentin, it's funny. When I met Quentin, I was on the set of Desperado, and I'm standing there, and he just—I don't know who he was, right? He just comes, like, "Hey, you know what? We're gonna do this role. Oh, you know, it's, it's gonna be crazy." You know, it's, and and he, they were already writing from dusk to dawn. I didn't know it, but they—he had this—he was already casting me for. From he dusk he to dawn. he writes to to, to yeah. actors. Yes, that's, that's famously yeah. his his way. What do you know about his last film? Uh, He's working on his final film, apparently, right now as we speak, in pre-production. 
I don't know. Gloria, get me on it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I feel like there's got to be a role for you. You've worked with him in so much. Yeah. I, no, I, he's, I, he's amazing. I got his phone number, so I'll call him. Yeah, yeah, text him. Shoot him <laughs> up. Yo, yo, give me, the, give me this film. So in Austin, it's, is it Fonda? Yes, absolutely. Oh, what's what's right. that place? What do you, You're like having a meal with these, these legends there with yourself as a legend? You know what? It's like, uh, I hate to sound like a little girl, but when you walk with those two, you're like three feet above the ground. I mean, you know, they're both tall anyway for Mexicans. I mean, Robert's, they're both yeah. tall guys, you know, but, but you're just like, you're with heavyweights. Yeah. Um, Quentin Tarantino, yeah. Robert Rodriguez, the heavyweights. And Danny Trejo, what a trio. Like, this is such, <laughs> this is... You're, you're modest, but like you're part of the fabric of these films and the, these genre films that are so beloved. No, absolutely, sir. I mean, I really appreciate uh, what you do, and I think your your skill is tremendous. And you know, with Machete, that was a big role for you. But you started small, right? I'd like to get a sense of: Did you ever want to give up when you were getting just smaller roles? No, I I had, you know, when I walked out of a movie set, a runaway train. I ran into a friend of mine that I knew in one of the universities, a guy named Eddie Bunker. Mm -hmm. Eddie Bunker was the most powerful inmate in San Quentin. He was the, the captain's clerk. Now, the captain's clerk is the guy that gets the captain to sign whatever he's got to sign. So if a guard is giving you trouble and you got $50 or 100 hey, Eddie, Get this guy out of here. So he will write a transfer for that guard, put it in front of the captain while he's signing a bunch of papers. All of a sudden, that guard would find himself on the 12 to 1, uh, 12 to 6. Shift. Shift out in the bay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. Not know how he got there, but but he would stop messing. With, and, and it was like, that's how powerful this guy was. And Eddie was my friend. And so when he saw me on this, he said, what are you doing? And we just talked. And he said, uh, you know what? We need someone to train one of the actors out of box. He saw me win the lightweight and the welterweight title up in San Quentin. Yeah. And so I said, what's it pay? Because they were going to give me 50 bucks for acting like a convict. And we laughed because we've been doing that for free forever. Right? <laughs> I was going to say, that's the, <laughs> and then, the role you were, you were, you were made, to made to play. play. Yeah. And so... I said, what's his pay? And he says, 320 a day. And when he said that, I said, how bad do you want this guy beat up? I thought he wanted me to, it was a hit. You know, he's mad at something. I'd have done it for another 50 bucks. <laughs> and then I started training Eric Roberts out of box yeah. for the movie Runaway Train. Yeah. And Andre Kajalowski, the director, saw me and just kind of said, hey, you be in this movie. And that's a famous act director right there. Oh, man, he was amazing. And that's how I got actually in. And that was his first American movie. Yeah. Yep. Andre Jones. When you're training an actor, because it sounds like you had that role to, to box, what do you tell them? Like, I mean, is well, it. You know what? It's like you. Uh, actors are really good people. Movie stars suck. You know, I mean, no, no, actors are like, listen, but, but movie stars know everything. I mean, some movie stars have been in the business since they were five, six, seven, eight years old. So it's, it's hard to tell them, hey, you fight like a lady, you know what I'm so, and if you're trying to teach them something, 
it's like uh, you have, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. But try it this way. You you can't tell it them won't wrong. listen to you. Yeah, no, no. You know what I mean. And and stunt guys have told me, God, it's like, hey, you know, who's I, the biggest diva you have had to work with? Oh uh, no, I can't. <laughs> I might want to work with him again. No, I appreciate you not taking the bait on that one. Have you had a chance to work with Leo at all? I feel Leonardo DiCaprio is method. no, no. I, Leonardo. I took tennis shoes away from Leonardo DiCaprio. It's funny because we were before, right when he did uh. The Queen Mary, or what was a boat movie? Titanic. The Titanic, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, right when he finished that, but before he got really popular, we were at Adidas. And, you know, they used to give actors free stuff. Oh, yeah. And I put these tennis shoes down, and and me and Black were, like, getting shoes, right? And and he picked up my tennis shoes. Hey, I put those, yeah, that's mine. And so, oh, and he, he put them down. Right away. <laughs> you probably scared the shit out of that guy. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> and then I got him. And, and then we walked away. And then, and, you know who that was? And no, that was Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> so, okay, who's that? <laughs> well, he's a student of the game. It seems he probably has a lot of respect for you. I feel like you guys should share a role at some point. Oh, that'd be fun. Let's put that out in the ether. You've got the book. You've got restaurant. Yeah. Uh, you've, we'll talk about the book, but well, you've got, got restaurant growth. What do you What have you been working on? Well, uh, God, I finished uh, twelve uh, seven cemeteries. Then I finished uh, was the binge or the the binge, and then I finished uh, fifteen twenty one. Uh, I played Magellan, and uh, we were trying to uh, baptize the Philippines. Wow. Well, you know, that was when it when That sounds the, violent. When the Spaniards were trying to baptize everybody. That sounds or, violent. Or kill them. Yeah. Really violent movie, you know, but but it was a real history, you know, and uh, and uh What are you thinking about when you're playing this very problematic character in world I, history? Uh, I was very problematic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I you had a great crew, great star, I forget his name, yeah. great great kid and uh and so it's like everybody was just so we're in the Philippines and you know it's 184 degrees. Yeah. And, well, you're wearing period costumes. You're wearing some crazy ass hat, I'm sure. And a, a metal vest, right? And 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 uh thick pants. Yeah. I mean literally a yeah. chrome vest. So, oh boy, this will get hotter. Oh my <laughs> god, Danny, are you like on are you on a sound stage or are you on the open water? No, no, no. We're out in the ocean. We're, You're out in the ocean on yeah. real like period boats. Yeah. yeah, this is like really unreal. It was like beautiful. It had great fight scenes though. It Just sounds unbelievable. It's gonna be a great movie. Fifteen twenty one. Yeah. I'll definitely And that. then Seven Cemeteries is about me uh coming back to life and having to raise some zombies to fight with me. And yeah. it's, like, it's awesome. Yeah. It is it is amazing. So. That sounds really good. Like, what, so when you're raising zombies, what's the, like, plot point? Are you, like— uh, Well, I have to, like, I cut my wrist, eh, put blood Give them food, this yeah. This whole thing, man. And uh, I, I love it when they get it right, and the director got it right. And my son even played in it. My son Gilbert played me as being young. It's so funny. They're trying to find an actor that looks like no. me being young. And finally, somebody goes, what about him? <laughs> and my son. That's like, the... He looks like me. Is that his first role? No, he's been around for a long time. He just got into the DGA. Oh, good for him. Gilbert, what was he doing? Yeah, Gilbert Trail. He's just, yeah. he's right now. He's going to London to shoot a music video, but he's just really coming up. And I'm, I told him, kid. 
you just turned into my retirement plan. <laughs> you, should, I, you must be so proud to have a son I in the business. I am so proud. It's a tough know, business. Yeah, yeah. What's the tougher business, Hollywood or restaurants? Uh, well, you know what? It, nothing is tough if you have the right people around you. And if if you are a people person and you can get along, people make things tough. I agree. You know, people make things tough. Yep. If I want somebody to do something and I say, hey, go do this. It's like, wait a minute. Hey, wait, could you please do this? It's like there's a big difference. And when people look at me, they think I'm going to say, go do this. You know, and I, so wait a minute. Hey, would you please go do the ad? Yeah. You know, so that's what makes, you know, I refuse to make things tough. You have a great reputation in this office. We publish your books, but also in general. And and you must surprise people when you come at them with like a very kind response. You're like (laughs) kind of a scary dude on television. Eddie Bunker once said, Danny, you have to disarm people immediately. You have to say hello first and you have to say it not like, you're going to kill them and then go kill the person that dry cleans their clothes. You've got to say it like, hi, how are you? And I do. I immediately I say hello to everybody. You're very kind. Yeah, no, I love that. It, 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 disarming is a good word because I think you need to do that. Yeah, no, because people, it's like people, a lot of times, look the way I look. People look at me sometimes yeah. immediately puff up their chest. So I say, hi, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hi. Hey, let's <laughs> let's have a drink. Okay, let's talk about Trails Cantina, your, your new cookbook. Uh, I love the way that you, ha- you really focus on non-alcoholic drinks. Yeah. I love yeah. that. What makes a great N.A. drink? You know what? It's kind of a it's something that tastes, that has the taste, but doesn't affect your driving. <laughs> 100%. You know, and or doesn't. Because a lot of times people that drink don't want to drink. It's not like they, that, that they're uh, alcoholic. Or, so I don't want to drink. But I don't want to have to explain to somebody that I don't want to drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, I'm no because you know what it's like. I know a, a, a perfect example. This friend of mine was going to have dinner with his wife and the, and the mother-in-law and dad, and we went out and before and, and he said, you know what? No, 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 no. Give me a Shirley Temple. And I says, what? <laughs> you know, even me. You know, and I don't drink. And he says, hey, you know what? I'm going to dinner with my. I don't want to drink. Yeah. And I thought, wow, well, okay, so now we got it. You got it. You know, and, and and so we make things where you, it looks like you're drinking tequila or it looks like you're drinking. Uh, uh, no one would know. A margarita. Nobody knows. It's know? really cool. Got to ask you, Lakers or Clippers, what's your team? Oh, God, man, I've been with the Lakers for so long. You've been riding with the Lakers? Know, I used to go to Clippers games with Dennis Hopper. Oh, when yeah. They first, he was probably the biggest he would show up at my house at 5.30 and say, come on, come on. Hey, hey, it's, it's, Clippers are playing. Come on. And we would go. There would be like 12 people in the stands. Those were know? the days. I mean, and it was he, bad teams. And he would like, you know, and he was a, a downhard Clippers fan. Kobe, I, 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 I had a friend of mine whose son and, and husband were like diehard Laker fans, they would go in the nosebleed seats, yeah. never missed a game, right? And then uh, 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 son's dad died, mm. and uh, kids just went, like, into a spin. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing a commercial called The Black Mamba with uh, Kobe with Bryant, Kobe. his shoe. 
And uh, I told Carmen, why don't you bring him down? He said, no, no, ask, ask first Danny because I don't want to break his heart. He's huh. having a really tough time. I mean, him and his dad were like this. You know? Yeah, really tough, yeah. So I asked Kobe, I hey, Kobe, I got this friend of mine. Well, you bring him, bring him down, bring him down. Mm-hmm. You know what? That, that was the most gentlest, kind giant I've ever mm-hmm. met in my life. I mean, we... When she pulled up, and and he was talking to Robert, Kobe was talking to Robert Rodriguez, the two producers yeah. of the shoe, and all the big wigs, and he's standing here, and he sees the police. Excuse me, I love and that. He walked straight for that car. I almost started crying. Hey, what's up? You know, uh-huh. and uh, and they every time they would say cut. Kobe, come on, come on. And he would shoot hoops with him. With the kid. Oh, oh my and, all Carmen did was cry. All his mom did was cry. Yeah. Because the first time the first time he'd smile. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's I mean, I love to remember Kobe that way. That's you know, the way he was. It's a it's great to get that inside story because we we judge him by yeah. a lot of things on the court and his, yeah. his kind of mama mentality yeah. and much maligned by yeah. many, but yeah. he seems like a genuinely good guy. He was a sweet tragic, yeah. absolutely tragic. Um what about LeBron? How's he going to do this year? I mean, they're in the playoffs. They're recording this. Ooh, they're 1-1. LeBron so, is, you know what? Uh, oh, this is his last shot right now. You know he's it. He's getting older. And I, you know, the knees go. The, the <laughs> And, and uh, but but I think I think he's going to be, I think the basketball gods are going like, to help look him down. one last time. Yeah. Do you have any favorite L.A. athletes that you get to work with or get to who come to your restaurants? I mean, you have. Well, uh, yeah, Aaron Donald's one of my favorite. He comes and uh, and he's amazing. You know what I mean? And uh, big as a house and <laughs> unbelievable. I am just so, you know, they won the Super Bowl. But what happens is either a team turns into a dynasty or they've accomplished what they want to accomplish. And they they, lose five, they win five games. And that's what happens. Ugh. So you go to some Rams games? You're- I go to every Rams game that's home, you know, so. Do you guys have a uh, cantina there uh, at the stadium? No, we want one. But yeah. It's really hard to get in there, you know, so we're yeah. going to have to like boycott or not boycott. But a plead it. for them, yeah. <laughs> well, Danny, we close. We ask all guests on the Taste Podcast if if you could write a cookbook or food culture book without a, the burden of time, meaning you have no deadline, or the burden of budget, meaning you have all the money in the world, what would that cookbook be? Cookbook? Or any book, actually. We could say a food book. Is there like a, a book you want to write? Yeah. It would be the first one I wrote, The Story of L.A. I yeah. love that book yeah. because it has stories from my youth, from growing up in That's L.A., from, from different places in L.A. L.A., I've been all over the world. I'm not bragging. I just, my job. Yeah. You're not bragging. It's your job. You're on and plane. I have not seen any place where I would rather live than Los Angeles, California, anywhere, mm-hmm. by the beach, in the downtown, and uh, the valley, yep. anywhere. And it's Glendale. Yeah, even Glendale gets shouted I, I, out. I work, uh, I work in Glendale. I, mean, I have good. a detox clinic right in Glendale. You yeah. know, we have Western Pacific Med Corp. We have seven. A, 11 detoxes throughout Los Angeles. You run those? Yeah. So we still, you know, I still stay with the the clean and sober it's good. society. I, and that's great that you're doing that. I feel like a book could be like more of your history of L.A. and like some of the places that you've been going in L.A. I love L.A. I started a record label, oh. Trails Music, which is going to Can't wait to check really that out. Good. We got that 
well, cookbook that I love, man. Trails Cantina. You know? It's a it's a great book. I, you got to pick it up, Danny Trail. Thank you for joining the Taste Podcast. Thank you, man. That was great. Appreciate it. The Taste Podcast is hosted by Eliza Abarbanel and me, Matt Rodbar. The show is produced by Shalia Harris and Pat Stango and edited by Clayton Gumbert. Theme music by Steve Rydell. Visit Taste Online at tastecooking.com and make sure to subscribe to our newsletter for updates on all cool things that are happening.